Good afternoon, everyone. I'm recording this on October 2nd. So welcome officially to the fourth quarter of your life. In this last 90 days, I hope you have some things going on. I hope you got some goals that you want to hit before that magic date of January 1st. I'm Christian Dracek. I have the privilege of being the host of Virtual Rolodex. And today, of course, once again, I have a special guest, Mackenzie Childs. And Mackenzie, I'm going to let you talk about yourself. Okay, so Christine. who are you? And <laughs> kind of give me some background about you. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, I'm Mackenzie Childs. I am Blink and Company, and I specialize in performance alignment for public accounting and law firms. My specialty really is just understanding that no matter what technology you have, no matter what new and different thing that comes around, if you don't have the right people to implement those things, it really will never work. So every company I work with is going to be at some stage of growth. And it's really just understanding, do you have the right people for this stage of growth? And then where are we going after that? And how do they know that they're on this journey with you and that they're doing a good job, they're contributing to the overall goals and it's inclusive, like that old adage of everybody getting in the boat then everybody sitting in the right seats, everybody facing the same way, and then everybody rowing at the same speed kind of thing. So we go through all of those phases with my clients and it's a blast. I love it. I do. So you are actually concentrating on the biggest asset that is not on the balance sheet. You are The correct. humans, mm -hmm. the people that show up every day and do the work. So you talked about that you work with public accounting firms and law. How does that work come about and why are you in their virtual Rolodex of people, of someone to reach out to, to help them? Well, early on in my career, I saw people as, like you said, the biggest asset to a company. So what I did was I just went out and got a lot of networking <laughs> events under my belt and made a lot of connections and really wanted to understand what it was like to be um, a business owner, an entrepreneur, all, all of those really great things, right, um, as I was stepping out of the corporate world. So a lot of the times I'm in conversations with somebody who is looking for um, to acquire, to looking to, to merge, or is the recipient of those things. And I step in that space and help them with that, with their human capital, understanding, okay, what do we have right now? Who, who is in the seats, right? A lot mm -hmm. of the times with public accounting, as I'm sure you know, that anytime that there's a merger acquisition, 30% of our people are deemed redundant. And it's sad because, I mean, no, everybody has their special gifts and talents, right? And think about the turnover costs of 30%, right? I mean, I, I understand some people factor that into the cost and, you know, all of that, mm -hmm. but still, and then even more so, human capital may not be looked at as something that they have to continuously do. So, you know, now we're a year into, you know, post-merger integration phase, and we're just now realizing 
oh my gosh, we really didn't spend enough time on these things. And now we're seeing the effects of, hey, we outsourced or, hey, we got this new technology or, hey, you know, all of these things will solve our problems. And people are leaving. People are unhappy. They don't know where they stand. The culture is just not right. I mean, a whole, I've seen it, a whole slew of things happen and it's like an internal epidemic and it's bad. It is. Well, and the morale of those people left behind mm-hmm. is just, you're like, wow, you know, you, as a leader, you don't want to lose the good ones. And a lot of times the redundant ones are the good ones. So instead of that 30%, what as an individual, as you coming in a third party, no emotions to these people, what can you suggest to them for them to lower that percentage from maybe 30% to 10%? Yeah. So perfect example. I had a client call me maybe three months after their merger, which is not too bad though. You know, still they're like, okay, well, we're gonna, we're gonna bring you in. We're gonna see what we're gonna do. Well, it really takes about six months for me to understand the people because I I do things a lot differently. I actually want to sit down with everybody from the receptionist to the, you know, stakeholders at the top and understand who these people are. What do they, what are they doing? How are they doing it? Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And so post-merger, that's a little bit difficult because, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes they've already decided who's going to stay and who's going to go. And yet I'm able to get in and do these one-on-ones with them. It's real quick. And then I go through their accountability chart. And so I'm sitting in the in the room with all these decision makers and something is brought up to, you know, we want to establish an HR department, right? It's going to be, you know, budding, but they want one. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, all right. So what solutions are we going to bring to the table? You know, what are we going to do? And they all start talking. They're like, well, we could hire. What about, you know, we need some recruitment, things like that. And, I, and I'm sitting there and I've got some information in my back pocket. I'm like, surely somebody knows about this. Like, sh- surely they do. And I, you know, waited and then they were about to really solidify something. And I, you know, raised my hand and I said, did you know that your receptionist has a master's in HR? Wow. <laughs> Wow. Like they didn't realize that here this person is taking the phone calls, greeting the people, knows people behavior. It's probably excellent receptionist because she knows people behavior Mm -hmm. and they did not. Nobody knew. Wow. Yeah. So then they looked at me and they were like, oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay to say you didn't know. It's fine. That's my job. It's Mm -hmm. my job to go in and meet with everybody, understand where they want to go, look at the accountability chart and say, okay, well, if you want this thing here, this person might actually solidify that. So we don't need to post the job. We don't need to hire a a recruiter. We don't, we, we really can work with what we got. Um, and then I, I like to kind of mix things up and establish what's called a dual career ladder. Um, not new and different. Lots of people have been doing this, but it's really new and different to like engineering and maybe public accounting and law mm-hmm. because they pull their partners up from the firm, right? That's right. that's pretty much the succession planning of this industry. 
And so you're really on a managerial track and that's how you excel in this career. Though accountants are super technical, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of you guys just don't want to manage people, but that doesn't mean that your salary has to cap out at a certain mm -hmm. level, right? So right. can we create a dual track where we've got what I like to call our supervisors or more or less our trainers, and then that management track piece with an equitable compensation and duties? Oh, nice. Yeah, and I think that is a different way of thinking because there are people out there, because I get feedback from employees of like, oh my goodness, my manager should never be a manager. I'm like, well, then why aren't they? Yeah. Oh because they were at the right years and that's the natural progression. And so, and I've seen that in industry also of, Oh, well, they've been here for 10 years. Well, we better promote them versus are they the right fit for the job? So as I'm listening to you, I'm hearing you're going in to find out that fit mm -hmm. and then match being the job matcher with the job that's still around after the merger. Mm -hmm. And my background is in IO psychology or in industrial organizational psychology. So I have, I have three degrees in human behavior. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm really able to pinpoint down what it would take to behave in this role versus just the technical skills that are needed. And mm -hmm. as we've seen a shift from, you know, this post-COVID era, emotional intelligence and things of that sort are way more important to high-performing employers, right? The ones that want to just retain that high-performing talent. Mm -hmm. Those things are more important than the job skills themselves. The, the skills can be taught, which is why we put in that dual track. And now we've got our internal trainers and you know that the skills will be taught but now we need to look at, okay, can they behave to the, to the system? You know, can they, can they behave in this role where they need to, okay, well, they're going to have to talk to this person. Is that going to be a good communication track? Because I can already pinpoint what their communication styles are going to be like. And it's, I mean, it's like a puzzle and I was always good at puzzles when I was a kid. So this is like the ultimate job for me. <laughs> it is. It sounds so exciting because as someone is like, just, talking to especially young professionals like in college students that are doing interns and they're just stepping into that world and they're just like is this really how it's going to be for the next 40 years <laughs> and that's you know in accounting they're like I don't know if I want to keep going down this road and I think it's because we don't have the right people in the right level of jobs accountants CPAs were, were very smart but not every job is for us you know, I would never be a great leader of a team of 200 people. I personally know that I'm a small team person because I like the one-on-one. -on -one. There's no way I could do one-on-ones with 200 people. But at the same time, I have had lots of one-on-ones to help me determine what that best fit is. When you are in your 20s, you're not able to do that as much. Mm -hmm. So you talk about how you came in post-merger. When would be the ideal time to call Mackenzie and say, hey, I need you? Right. So closing out that piece, that post-merger piece, we were still able to save about 10% of their workforce, even a year after they had merged. And 
I mean, that equated to a, a little north of $300,000 for them. That is like game changer, you know, because it's not just the dollars. People remember the energy, yes. the time, the learning curve of someone learning the, because it's not just learning the skills of a job. It's learning the culture, the people the you know, that 300,000 was just what you could see on paper. Yes. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it was probably twice that if you talked about the time and energy piece. So, yes. and that so, was post merger. So if we right. go back <laughs> a little bit, I mean, here we are saving 300,000. I know people with numbers are like, Ooh, I like saving money. Yep. So if we go back to maybe it's pre-merger days. Right. So if I'm doing all of that in the due diligence phase, right? I'm able to meet with these folks over here. I'm able to meet with these folks over here. And then we create a combined or more or less a, you know, let's just render this. Let's see what it would look like. Right. And we put, put that up and I'm like, okay, you know, this person has these skills and qualities and this person has these skills and qualities. What do you think? And then if we're really able to do that, we could probably save pretty close to 25% of your workforce and pull that retention down to only, or that turnover down to about five. Right. Um, And it's doable. I know a lot of people probably listening to this are like 5%. That's crazy, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's doable and I've seen it and you just have to make sure that you understand who your people are and then where they're going. And then do they know where you're going as well? Do they understand your purpose? And usually when I have those one-on-ones, that's really what I'm asking is what are their core values? Does it jive? Does it mesh? You know, I want to get to know them as people. Um, and then understand, you know, what has been hard for you in the past? What has been easy for you? What What would you like to see? What are your goals? And they love it. And all, a lot of the time they just want to be heard. Yeah. Right. And right. And, I mean, that's a morale thing. That's the communications. We're, we're so go, go, go get the work done, get the work done. That that human element that you're going in and you're asking about has been lost by management because they're so focused on that next thing, mm-hmm. forgetting the one thing that's helping them get to the next thing, the human person. And a lot of the times leadership doesn't have the time nor the skills to be able to sit down one-on-one and run through all of those questions that I'm going to ask. And that's okay. They, you don't, you don't need it. Right. That's, that's Mm -hmm. why the uh, like IO psychologists like myself exist because we can come in and do that for you. And then I'm able to say, okay, then post-merger integration, we'll make sure to test the viability of what we planned for and then be able to create a performance alignment program or performance review program. I like alignment. It, Mm -hmm. you know, has a better, you know, sound to it, but we're able to create a more comprehensive program instead of trying to merge, backtrack, fix everything, and then move forward. And that savings could be, I mean, it, it really all depends on how much you pay your people, to be honest. But mm-hmm. median salary, I mean, five hundred k, seven fifty. At the as lowest. someone who's been through mergers and acquisitions as an employee, the uncertainty, the work product goes down. 
But if I had someone like yourself coming in and kind of reassuring, like we were looking at the whole picture, not just the number of people. Cause sometimes it felt like that. Mm. Oh, we're just, we're trying to match, but we're basing it on our own opinion. Not really. We're not going to ask you what you really want. Um, because do you ever get someone who says, yeah, I no longer want to be doing this for the rest of my life and I'm just here for the paycheck. Definitely. You know, I I joke and I love my accountants and this is why not a whole lot of people, there are those rarities, but the majority of my public accountants did not wake up one day and say, I want to be a public accountant, right? That is just not a kid, a, a childhood dream. <laughs> and yet they get the the finance degree and they get their CPA license because they want to make good money. They want a job that they don't really have to, you know, be super strenuous about, right? I mean, and they are those concise people that love to see it match at the end of whatever it is that they're doing. So a lot of these people, though, are musicians they are writers, they are artists. And to be fair, I mean, those aren't like super high paying gigs. So, you know, you got to have a a nine to five and then, you know, you got your, your side gigs and, Mm -hmm. or whatever else makes you happy. But I feel like (laughs) my, my clients sometimes miss out on the opportunity to hone in on those creative skills and blend that into the culture and understand that these people have so much to bring to the table because they do have these like ulterior lives outside of the public accounting space. Um, And I love that. And then understanding what that looks like on the other side that maybe they can Mm -hmm. use that. Um, I put them on teams. They come up with team names and logos and all kinds of things. And there's a huge sense of community that comes out of this. And if you're sitting there crunching numbers all day, you got to know what your goals are. You got to know how crunching those numbers and understanding those difficult clients and, you know, trying to really step out of your comfort zone is going to help propel this, this company forward. Um, And so I, I love helping and enable my clients to, to feel that from the inside out And then they're able to retain that top talent. I mean, Mm -hmm. you talked about multi-generational things earlier. You're right. People aren't getting their technical degrees now because we've got this whole gig economy going on, right? The the CPA license is not sexy. That like they just they're they're not looking for that. And we've got to switch a mindset from recruitment to retention. And Mm -hmm. how are we going to retain our older top employees and understand that not everybody's going to want to climb that ladder, but at least it's there so that people know that they have the option. Um, and then if you say, Hey, you've got equitable compensation and I don't have to manage people. I'm in like people will be flocking to your, your firm. And I, I see that, you know, we can't afford to let those people go because if we're on the other side, we can't find them. Yeah, because they'll find somewhere else, usually mm-hmm. industries. So I'm segueing into industry because you talk about the public accounting side. Um, we live in Houston, energy, a lot of mergers and acquisitions in that space, along with, you know, all industries have it. So do you work with the industries on keeping them on the 
where they can retain their talent and put them to best use. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I always encourage my clients to apply for best place to work there. And some of them get it because they are able to speak to the people and they're really, their people are able to understand. Yes. They invest in me. Yes. They know that I'm here. Yes. They provide a culture. They care about me. Um, they understand that my goals are maybe not necessarily, Hey, I want to do this for the rest of my life, but yet, okay, maybe we've got some, Oh, here's a perfect example. Actually, I'm just, I, I was in a one-on-one and, this younger girl sits down and she says, Hey, I really just don't know that this is for me. And, and I'm like, that's okay. What do you want to do? And she goes, I think I want to work with animals. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, yeah, girl, that's fine. And so I was talking to, you know, some of the partners about it and I said, Hey, so I have somebody, I, I, confidentiality is really my thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't really, you know, uh, breach that. I said, Hey, I've got somebody on your staff that's looking to make a career change and they're looking for, you know, something in this industry. What, what would you do? Like, do you, what, how can you support this person? And they're like, well, we've got some clients that we, you know, we work with that have that are vets and, you know, things like that. Maybe we can create some connections and, you know, whatever. And I just love that energy because instead of, oh, they don't want to do public accounting, it's like, well, that brings on the opportunity for us to find somebody that wants to be that public accountant. And then the opportunity for that person to be connected and you just did a good deed and Mm -hmm. they will remember that they will remember that you helped them. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like we do see those who work in public accounting for two or three years and they naturally leave. And, you know, and that's why at that lower level, there's a lot of turnover, but as you grow grow up, go up. (laughs) Um, That's where I think the dual track comes into real big priority of, you know, you know that you're just not a good leader. Like it's just not in your wheelhouse. You don't want to do it Mm -hmm. because I think we all have that leadership in us. And sometimes it's the mindset of like, I just don't want to, you know, like a little two-year-old, I don't want to do this. Sure. But having the option of saying, hey, I don't want to do it at this time in my life. Can I just keep going down this up this track and still be not be punished for not wanting to do something that's just not me right now? Mm-hmm. And I would always say right now, like that's just not in what I want to be doing right now. And I think I'm loving the stories that you're given. And I think the best thing for everyone who's listening is. If you are about to embark on that M&A, that merger and acquisition, or you're just thinking about it, or maybe you're just like, I just need someone to come in and look at my team and say, are they really in the right spots? Because if the receptionist can do HR, that might be a better spot for them. Mm -hmm. Um, Please reach out to Mackenzie. I'm going to put her um, contact information into the show notes so that you can contact her um, or you can always contact me and I'll do an e-intro with uh, Mackenzie because at the end of the day, humans are what gets the things done. And if you understand and get people into the right job, happiness happens, profits happen, the bottom line looks beautiful 
So Mackenzie, any last words? Yes, we are all in the business of people, right? And happy people make happy companies. <laughs> and your customers will see it. It exudes from the inside out. Um, and the reputation follows. So um, thank you so much again for having me. I was super excited to get to share some of the things that I that I help people achieve. Well, thank you, Mackenzie. I appreciate it. Um, thank you for the listeners, or if you're watching this on YouTube, appreciate you. We will be having more and more of these come out. So please subscribe, uh, how, whatever podcast platform you're on, on YouTube, hit that little subscribe button, getting used to all the social media. And so thank you, thank you for Mackenzie and know that your people do matter. Thank you. <laughs>